With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Kidder Street Noise, and we are delighted to be joined by Daniel Clough. Is it Dan or Daniel? Dan. Dan. Definitely Dan. Yeah. It's Dan, yeah. yeah. I was Chris and Daniel, but no one ever called me that, <laughs> unless I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, so Dan is the writer of the Simon Garner new book, One Last Shot, which is currently, Richard just told us that it's in printing, ready to be released middle of December. Is that what we're looking at? the people that pre-ordered and we were also yeah. joined by the publisher Richard Slater who also uh, wrote and published the first book there's only one Simon Garner I wrote I wrote the first book with Simon uh, we had a, a, a publisher called Parswood who published that first book alright I see so I don't want to get straight into the book obviously we spoke a little bit before we started recording all that lot I want to get to know about you first so Dan I feel like just going off the interaction about on Twitter were from like a similar generation of Rovers fan. So I've got a couple of questions yeah. to ask you to get like from almost gather what you grew up through, what like your opinions are on football and stuff. So I'm gonna start with your earliest memory as a football fan. Uh well so I was born uh January nineteen eighty seven, so two months before we won the full members cup. Never saw Simon go on a play, which is uh sad really but um, has made this whole process quite a, a positive experience my first memories of football are that, the title winning season uh, and the I went to the Charity Shield uh, that season 1994 when we played Man United uh, and um, <laughs> much <laughs> it's, it's not my most happy memory not just because we lost but because my mum's husband at the time was a Man United fan and was a season ticket holder, and I think as a seven-year, eight-year-old, whatever I was at the time, 
didn't necessarily realise how into Rovers I'd become. So bought tickets for himself, my mum and myself uh, uh, and, and me in the um, in the United end. <laughs> and then his heart dropped when I came bounding down the steps in full kit, blue and white. And then they didn't have the heart to get me to change. They went to the match. My mum bought me a bloody flag. So I sat in and, I, and I'm quite, I'm six foot two and I was always tall. So I always appeared older than I was, which came in handy when I was, you know, in my mid-teens for obvious reasons. <laughs> but um, on that day, sat in a sea of Man United fans had all been on the drink all day with my stupid bloody blue flag and my blue and white kit bawling my eyes out because I'd just seen my team get battered while getting abused by 20,000 Man United fans. It wasn't the most positive experience um, but at least we had the last laugh because we went on to win the title that season. Uh, and then I'd say my most positive memory of that that year was sitting in my dad's living room in, in Oswaldswistle, watching him. Do you remember the old sky boxes where all buttons were along the front and you had to you didn't have a remote, you had to press the button. And it was my dad running from one end of the living room to the other to switch between the Rovers game at Liverpool and the one Man United West Ham game to see what the score was. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously we went on to win the league so um, so those, they're my earliest earliest football memories I'd say that's a, that's a very good start to a football me- memory definitely I think <laughs> I mean I was I was born in 93 so I missed the Premier League winning years but obviously my I think my gen, like first season that I fully remember was promotion back to the Premier League in 2001 like the Matt Janssen at Deepdale season that was my first memory or like earliest like strong memories that I can remember, and then obviously I had the that, that season was my best. That that was uh, I got a season ticket the year after we got relegated. That season when we got promoted, there's still no matter what we've we've seen in the the years after going back up. That's the best season I've ever had watching Rovers. It was fantastic that season in the first division when we when we we came we came second, didn't we? Yeah, uh, I mean we had such a good team. Like I had the premiers after that Europe went into cup final. Lewis was obviously born just after that and yeah. missed. Uh, yeah, I think, oh. I think since your your two first seasons are comfortably better than mine. I mean, mine was like I think I the first game I can actually remember was in nine or, or, or nine ten beat Peterborough in the cup five two. I mean, we had a decent cup run that season. Got to semi final against Villa. I think, I think we finished tenth under Big Sam. So it was like. Decent-ish season on the whole, but no one near as good as winning the league and winning promotion back to the Premier League. <laughs> Richard, I, 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 I'm not... Don't have to word it. Are you a massive football fan? I know you've got a lot of hobbies, a lot of interest, I can tell by, by your Twitter. And, um... I, I think football um, is less of a, uh, a hobby of mine now, it would be fair to say, or less of an interest of mine now. Uh, but that's not to say I don't take an interest. But, you know, earliest memory, my earliest memory is my dad taking me to, and I'm pretty sure it would have been in the Riverside stand. I can I can kind of feel and I see bits of it still. Um, and I think it was in 1973. Um, and I, it was against Plymouth. And it either made sure that we were promoted from Division 3 or we'd won the championship from Division 3. I can't remember. That's my earliest memory. Uh, were you saying best memories? As well, I mean, you can do best and best and worst are on there. So, the best memory was um, being at Anfield when we won the title, and um, I was working at the time for the Evening Telegraph, for the Lancashire Telegraph at the time, 
and I was given the brief of going and writing a, a colour piece, just a, a general um, an atmosphere piece, not a sports writing, not a sports writing piece, an atmosphere piece, kind of a fans fans view uh, item. Uh, but the only tickets we could get were in um, Liverpool seats, and uh, that was just fine. Absolutely fine. I was going nuts, and nobody <laughs> cared. Nobody cared. Um, yeah. So there's my, there's the my first and uh, and best would be those two. Um, but there are other good ones. Full members cup final. I'm old enough to have been at that. Um, that was a great day out. You know. Um, but I'm also old enough to have been on the terraces um, at uh, Crystal Palace when we. Just missed our club promotion. I think it was eighty nine. That I think some somewhere thereabouts. Yeah. And you know, so um, yeah, eighties and nineties. Back into the seventies, eighties and the nineties. Uh, I loved. I, 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 things changed me a little bit, if I'm being honest. When Sam Allardyce became the manager, and I just well, God. <laughs> when I was writing about football, as I did for a few years for the Independent. Um, I saw a lot, a lot of Bolton Wanderers, and they had these some great players, and it was really still quite a dreary lot of the time. <laughs> anyway, um, slightly different tale. This isn't about Sam Allardyce; it's about something else. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll get on to this, and like. Um... I mean, we spoke a lot about it last week. I know you heard back uh, the podcast from last week. We spoke a lot about how football's changed from when Sam was a player to nowadays, and if people enjoy it as much. I almost feel like I'm getting towards that bit where I don't enjoy football that much. I, I try to watch as much as I can, try to go to Rovers as much as I can, but it, it's getting to the point now where the two hours of football is the worst part of the day. So, <laughs> the, like. <laughs> And we'll get on to the character. Do you not think, though? Do you not think, though, the best music that you've still got in your head that you like, really like listening to is that sort of age 14 to 18? And is that not the best period of watching football? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, actually, I mean, if I mean, I'm being honest, football's slightly different. I'd say in my early 20s because I had no kids, but I had a car. And yeah. I got to loads of away matches as well as home matches. I do know what you mean. There is, like, definitely what we call a nostalgia tax. Like, the. <laughs> Like oh, my music playlist is Oasis, Pulp, Blur. Like that's just it's just nineties and then mid noughties indie rock all the way through. Um, Fourteen and fifteen, how old would I been? And uh, like that's like when Allardyce first came in. So that were the years where I probably didn't enjoy it as much. The, this is gonna sound mad. My favorite years was. Um, the first season of the championship under Keane I went to like 43 out of the 46 games I was I think I'd just turned 19 20 so it was like yeah that was probably the best age of like going on away days and following Rovers like all over the country when you're when you're like young but you know you haven't got any uh, and you haven't got any like real responsibility yeah. Why do I have a responsibility now? That's <laughs> <laughs> probably the best time in it. Um, you have to go to away games and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Uh, got a couple more quick fire questions. So, first match you remember, we've kind of really touched on. Your favourite all time player? Oh, uh, I struggle with this one because I've got a couple. Um, Colin Hendry. Good, good friend of ours drinks in the local down the road from me plays big on a Sunday I think I'd have to say Simon Garner 
But <laughs> yeah. massive, massive soft spots for <laughs> Stuart Metcalf from when I was tiny. You know, when I was really, really young. Uh, Duncan McKenzie when he came to Black Rovers, that was uh, awesome. But um, uh, Sheeran Sutton as well, and, and uh, obviously some great players of that era. But I think, yeah, that I, I quite enjoyed watching football back into the eighties. There were some awful bits about football at that time. Um, but I quite enjoyed going with mates or my granddad used to go with as well. So I'm quite fond of that era when we were knocking on the door without ever quite pushing it open. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, so we'll get on to the book now. So I'm going to start with you, Dan. A couple of questions. How did it come about? Talk us through the process. When did the first DM email letter pop through <laughs> wow well, was, um, yeah so it was uh, Richard contacted me via LinkedIn of all all mediums uh, in I was looking this up not long ago it was February 2021 is it really? Uh, yeah um, just saying I've got a, a, a project in mind and your name's been mentioned so that was you know I, I knew of Richard but we'd, we've, ne- we've never we'd never met or worked together in so it was intriguing, uh, and then we had a conversation, didn't we? And you you introduced the concept, um, which I was obviously uh, as a Rovers fan and uh, and a and a writer, uh, I was quite uh, excited and keen to get involved. And so one of those things where it sort of suggested, and then you think, well, I really hope this doesn't go bloody tits up now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, we we had a chat with. We, we we sort of had a think about it. Said yeah, let's crack on. And we had um, a Zoom chat with the three of us, including Simon, didn't we? Um, and that was really good, just to see what the chemistry was like. Uh, and we sort of had a laugh. And then we agreed to um, using the original book as source material. Look at redoing uh, one chapter, just see how it worked out. So that's what we did. So we picked a, a random chapter uh, out of thin air, which was uh, the Bobby Saxton era, which I think is Simon's best best time at, at Blackburn, certainly. Um, uh, and had a good long chat with Simon, expanded on the chapter, changed some bits of it, uh, and then it came out okay. And then we had a, a further conversation, decided to crack on and do the whole book, didn't we? Yeah, mostly, mostly you corrected my uh, poor grammar from the original <laughs> book, so uh, that, that was that was quite helpful. And then I, I uncorrected it in a in a proof recently. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was quite straightforward. Who did I speak to? Was it Andy Neal? I think it was Andy Neal. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is the Telegraph connection. Yeah, yeah, we all, we've all spent time at the Telegraph, and uh, yeah, Dan came recommended. So. Yeah, that, that's it. Was that's I mean, enjoyed that part of the process. <laughs> yeah. When did you first get the idea to redo the book? Did you just I know you spoke about being a twentieth anniversary um, of the first book. Was that always the idea, or was there just like a one day I'm going to write mm. another book? <laughs> no, it was it, it, the first part was probably about ten or twelve years. I can't remember. 10 years ago maybe another publisher came to us and said they'd like to republish the book um but i said to simon i think we should turn this down because why don't we wait for an opportunity to have another go a different a different way of doing it and it wasn't like there were going to be any money for it, in it at mm. all so you can actually still see that it's advertised on amazon it never got into public was never allowed to be published 
but they, they did decide that they, they didn't really fancy it. Um, is that why when you Google it, there's a random cover artwork yeah. that isn't yeah. the one? I wondered where they are. Yeah, it might not be an absolute, yeah, it might be when you Google it. Yeah, yeah, that. it's weird. There's, it's it's, it's really like a weird. funny picture that it's like that's not the cover of the book. Where's that? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so but I always thought those because when I, when I did it first time round, I, I had what I really wanted was to do what Dan's done second time round, which is to get other people talking about Simon and the eras in which they they connected, and to tell a story, you know, tell us a story that they remember that Simon doesn't. So it was I had that idea at the start. But I just didn't, I just didn't get that far um, with it. So that that was part of you know the first time we spoke, me and Dan and and Simon. I, I think we must have been drinking some strong cups of tea or something because we were talking about all sorts of things. At one one, I think at one point I think I said, "Oh, why don't we do a dot to dot Simon Gardner in the middle of the book?" <laughs> <laughs> there were all, there were all sorts of ideas. Yeah, <laughs> but I always felt there was an opportunity to come back to it. But what it meant. Had to, it had to be looked at by a different set of eyes. Couldn't be me doing it again. Um, I, I didn't really want to do it again. I needed. To, I, I really fancied it to be done in a di with, a, with different eyes. Use the first book as a starting point because the, the material in there, you know, it, 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 you know, I, stand, I think it's. I still think it's a great read for anybody who's not got the original. Get by the original as well, um, and. But it all needed bolstering. Every era needed something new. There was always another story. And don't tell anybody, but we learnt a couple more in the last two weeks that would be great for the book. Great. But it's too big and late. He didn't we remember. Have to wait for book three now, aren't we? Yeah, book three. So um, yeah, so it was about that. And also, it needed you know we needed to, to bring Simon's story up to date, tell the story of his testimonial, uh, tell the story of what came after that, rebuild the front end of it. Yeah, there's there's an awful lot. I mean, there's twice as many words. That's that. Did you realise that, Dan? It's twice as many words. Um, it's uh, it's a, a, a proper. Um, I'm sorry. It's a proper <laughs> read now. Thanks to Dan. <laughs> um, got to get question... out this door at the end of this conversation. Oh, well, no. <laughs> uh, question to both of you, really. Do you think like the amount of time between the two books allowed Simon to perhaps like see things differently, reassess a few things. Like, Absolutely, like, Lewis. Yeah, I, I, so, I, I, first one. When I'll tell you, some, some down, of the things. He was not long retired and now like, I suppose that, you know, it's been 20 years, you see, he'll see things a bit differently. It, it made it made for a challenging uh, couple of things. I, I, and I, I, I'll be honest, I can't actually remember the specific stories now, but I remember him recounting certain things that when you cross-referenced them with the previous book, they were like, hang on. <laughs> That's not what you said 20 years ago. And, okay, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, was that Richard's artistic license in book one? Or has, has, Simon just, uh, has Simon just remembered it a bit differently this time? Um, and obviously, and I think, yes, I think you're right, that because we, we, we've had this conversation, haven't we, Richard, where when, when the first book came out, he'd, he'd just finished playing, he'd retired, from his non-league career in 2000 and then the book came out two years later or something 20 years have passed now so he's possibly a bit less he may have withheld some things a bit more than or the detail behind certain things back then which maybe he didn't want to talk about which by now the passage of time he's like oh whatever so uh, 
So yeah, they're all. Th- <laughs> it did make me smile at times because I'm sort of talking to him, and then this isn't what you said 20 years ago, Simon. But... <laughs> so yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. So some, yeah, that that's part that's part of the change. But what else is attitude? No, he's still he's still who he is, isn't he? He's um, I, you know, he still reads. When I read it this time, it was like reading it for the first time, you know, the, the, the down version, and it just it still it felt like he was still talking to me. It was, yeah. he tells a good tale, the Simon, if he remembers I, it. <laughs> and I guess what's interesting is obviously, so in in the the new book we've got a because in, in the original book the first chapter is, I was born in Boston, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But we've we've inserted a new first chapter which talks about Simon's. And views on football and 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 just it's not part of the timeline. It's just a bit of a reflective chapter. If you'd done that in the first book, that would be completely different now because yeah. the world has changed so much in those twenty years. Because yeah. he talks about being a um, being a, a footballer nowadays compared to then, and how you know you can't you couldn't just walk into the pub because everyone in there would have the phone out. Well, twenty years ago, that wouldn't have been the case, would it? As much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he, um, you know, from reading it, from talking to him, I don't think he regrets not being part of that scene. No. Because, oh, it must, it must be awful. Yeah. The way they used to live their lives was very different. Yeah, I think the, the relationship that he had with the fans, we spoke about, about, about it a lot last week, and I'll trip on my word another time. Um, and he said like he couldn't have that nowadays because I, don't, I think there's a lack of trust now between players and fans that is that there is a lot of trying to catch you out whether it be with mobile phones or with what you've said or you only text one story from the, from the paper and it can I, I watched a podcast this week with Henry Lansbury and he said like it only takes one person to ruin your life in football and I think there's so many more people now that are willing to almost try it out for you whereas back Maybe twenty years ago, there were a lot more respect and a lot more people that were willing to help you rather than drag you down. I think that's true. You know, there's a good story in the book about um, there's a couple of these kinds of stories, but one about um, a journalist who really just didn't check the stories and was talking about a big fight at the Garner family home and windows being smashed. And the truth is so much simpler. Um, so they weren't entirely immune um even back in the 80s simon caught a bit of uh, weird press that made not made no sense really yeah but you didn't have people in a bar sparking your drink and videoing you yeah yeah um you mentioned then about um the, the things in this book that you might have wanted to do um back when you wrote the first book was the process tougher back then with I mean, now I'm sure you've done a lot of the um, calls over teams and um, I'm guessing from the other people like the guest appearances you got in the book, you've, you've done that over technology rather than meeting in person, letters back and forth. Was it, not, I don't want to say miles away back then, but was it such a harder process back then than it is now? Um, yeah, simply. Um, I, had a, I did it on the landline telephone a little suction cap that went on the back of the landline phone that plugged into a cassette recorder. Um, What's one I have? Um, well, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the younger listeners, um, 
yeah, that plugged into a cassette recorder. I then gave the cassette to somebody to transcribe it for me. And then that gave me the, the raw, raw material to type up. There was a, you know, I had a, did have a, a, what did they call it? A word processor at the time. It was a basic PC, but, uh, but that got nicked. That, that, was, that was quite interesting. They got nicked when we were four chapters in. Um, now, don't tell anybody, right? But I mean, I've exploited that for publicity purposes and uh, told the like through in the Telegraph. Uh, my laptop's been nicked. It's got the first four chapters of Simon Garner's book on it. That, that was all true, but I did have backups, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, so we, we, we cracked on. Yeah, so it was floppy disks as well. And again, congratulations to any viewer who can remember one of those. So the process, yeah, is a lot easier now. But that's only a... That's, literally the easiest bit of it it's not the easiest bit of it interviewing people is not easy but it's uh the tech isn't the important bit it's what comes next which is the magic in dan's fingers you like that one yeah <laughs> i i think it, well what i would say is because obviously i've written this entire book without leaving my house uh <laughs> every single interview has been done virtually um I mean, the fact that the whole project started in the middle of the pandemic, so that it, it, it was necessary at first. But in a way, I mean, it's kind of sad because, um, I mean, I had, before we started the book, I'd spoken to Simon Garner two or three times when I was at Lancashire Telegraph. Um, and then obviously we did this. I don't know if he remembers that, probably doesn't. Um, so I've never actually met him in the flesh. Funnily enough, I've never met Richard in the flesh. We've just we've, we've had lots of conversations over the phone and virtually, um, just because that's how the the whole thing started. And then once we were in a rhythm, you just carried on. But obviously, you when you started the first book, you went and met him, didn't you, at his house, yeah. and possibly had one or two drinks. Possibly had uh, one or two drinks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I put it on to into. Oh, I know what it was. So. I went down on the train, and on the train I read this book about a football called Gavin Friday. It's just a brilliant football book. Uh, about a, I think he was a 70s hero for Reading, the kind of football you'd love to spend time with, uh, as long as there are no mobile phones around. <laughs> um, so, But I went down, to, went down to see him, and the idea was to go to the pub, have a few drinks with Simon Garner, and tape a chapter's worth with him. And uh, what the story I wanted to do was the day... Blackburn Rovers won the Premier League title. That's the story I wanted to do with him. And not a single sentence of that recording was usable. I almost like absolutely hammered. Absolutely <laughs> hammered. Um, it's made two of us, or I don't know, there were probably ten of us drinking by this point. Into, but it was a really good way of getting to know him because uh, we started sober so I remembered that bit we got a bit drunk I remember that bit and then we got really drunk and I don't remember much about that at all and yeah so that, that was a good way to do it and um, yeah then we did it all over the phone after that I didn't do another face to face with him and then going back to the technology um, <laughs> what's fun obviously a lot of people can use Teams um, so you can sit and you can see the face Simon's not the most technologically advanced he's certainly a man of his generation so, oh God! How many stereotypes you're rolling out there? So, so we would, so I would basically sit at my laptop with Teams on record and him on speakerphone, 
basically using my laptop as essentially just a recording Addict, device to, to, to pick up the conversation on the phone. We did, we have actually trans um, converted him recently. We've managed to finally get him into. He can use it now. This is obviously handed for this stuff. But one of those interviews, like I had to do similar because a lot of these people I spoke to struggled with the technology, uh, and um, one of the interviews is with. Um, a guy called Gordon Bartlett, who was the Wheelstone manager who signed Simon. And um, for whatever reason, I ended up having to do the interview in the same way as Simon with the, the phone here. And what I didn't realise at the time was that Teams had updated, and I think, I don't know if it was a new feature, but they've introduced something called noise suppression. So if your dog barks or the doorbell goes, the person on the other end can't hear it. They can just hear your voice. Yeah. What that meant was that my recording of the interview with Gordon Bartlett was just me asking questions <laughs> and then silence. So I didn't get any. So I had to, and then as soon as I, I realised this almost immediately after the conversation, so then I had to really quickly write the <laughs> write up his chapter from memory ah. and then send it to him and say, I'm hoping this is right. And then... It turned, out, it turned out okay, but technology let me down on that occasion. <laughs> Cassettes and floppy disks is the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw Simon under the bus here after we uh, ended the recording last Thursday. He was like, oh my God, uh, I'm dying for a week, I'm dying for a week. How do I close this call down? And we're like, it's a big red button, it's a big red button in the top corner. He's like, he's like, I'm going to shut the lid, I'm going to shut the lid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, he's just left me before now. He's waited for his missus to come in and turn it off for him. Yeah. Um, so you, you've got a few um, guests on the book this time. How was it getting people to come forward? Was it like an open invitation? Did you reach out to people individually? How did it come about? Yeah, so we uh, basically looked at the people who were around for each. What we wanted to do is intersperse each chapter with with somebody that was relevant to the the preceding chapter. So it was it was identifying a, a player or a manager from from each era, uh, and it, and it, to be honest, it was it was a mixture of finding them on Twitter. For example, Mick Rathbone just could send him a DM, and there he is, absolute legend that man. Um, Bobby Sachs, then I found his son on LinkedIn and sent him a message and we got, we got him. Um, he's it, all, yeah, very, very different ways. I mean, local newspaper journalists were very useful. There was a chap at, um, in the Midlands who was able to give me Aussie Ardeal as his number for, for the West Brom connection. Um, <laughs> that, that, I've got a Midlands journalist who's going to pass me on Ozzy Ardilis' phone number. I mean, that, that, that is the most random sentence I've ever heard in my life. Brilliant. Yeah, it's because of the West Brom kit. But I mean, that was, speaking to Ozzy Ardilis, like, not only did he win the World Cup, but he was in a film with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so, um, Martin O'Neill was a good one. Cause we, oh, wow. um, that's incredible. Cause because of uh, Simon's Wickham connection, have you heard the commentator, Alan Parry? He's he's a massive Wickham fan, uh, and him and Simon are quite good friends um, because of Simon playing there. Yeah. So uh, I got I got Alan Parry's number uh, via another journalist. I can't, I can't remember who it was, and then um, I, I spoke to Alan Parry. I said, "I'm really after Martin O'Neill. Can you help me?" And he said, <laughs> "He said, well, he said you won't get him because he never replies to anything." He said, but uh, he said, best thing to do is email him. So he gave me an email address and I emailed it. And then 
weeks went by and then one day I got a phone call from Morton O'Neill that was like, wow. Um, which I think is a real um, thing for the way he feels about Simon for because he could have just ignored that and said, oh, I'm not interested. Um, but he didn't and he, he obviously thinks highly, highly enough of Simon to ring some random lad from Blackburn. Uh, My heart would have stopped to, to do a tip to if I answered the so, phone. They said it's Martin O'Neill. Added us for Oh, it was like that. I mean, one one really annoying one is I sports Howard Wilkinson because Howard Wilkinson was the manager of Boston when Simon was a sixteen-year-old lad. But Howard Wilkinson remembered nothing except for oh yeah, I know he played for me, but apart from that, so we, I didn't didn't end up featuring him in the book, but I did speak to him. Can't make a chat um, out of that. Yeah. But Martin O'Neill was really good. I've said this before. Um, so we we had a long conversation uh, and, and wrote it up. And then what I was doing was I'd interview them, write up what I was suggesting would go in the book, and then sending it to them for approval. And I sent it to Martin O'Neill, and he and he said, oh, "I do have some tweaks." I was like right, okay. And then weeks and weeks went by, and then I chase him up on a text message, and then he'd, weeks and weeks go by, and then he'd reply, and he said, "Oh, I do have some changes I want to make." And this happened. And it must have been 12 months between the interview and him finally coming back and saying, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then he hand wrote and he, he just basically obviously looked at what I'd wrote, thought that's rubbish. Um, I'm going to do it myself. So he literally hand wrote, there was sort of seven or eight pages handwritten and he took photographs of it. Obviously what we're talking about in terms of people with technology and took <coughs> photographs and then WhatsApp them to me. And then I had to type it all up. So everything that Martin O'Neill's words in the book, were handwritten by Martin O'Neill for the and, book, and they are, you can tell there is a slightly different style about it. Because yeah, it reads very different reasons, yeah. but we, it was it couldn't be changed, could it? It's it is not it's not the style. It's not written the same written style as the rest of the book, but it's magnificent. I yeah. love it. That's it. That that little chapter. Uh, my my um, oh wow moment was when uh, I wrote I wrote to Kenny Dalgleish to see if he'd write the forward to the first book. And I was freelancing somewhere. I, mean, I was freelancing for a car company one afternoon. Oh, my phone went and said, uh, yeah, Celtic FC, I have Kennedy Dalgleish for you. I'm like, yeah, right. Hey, Richard, it's Kennedy Dalgleish. I'm not even going to try the accent. Kenny Dalgleish. And I, I, I'm, I'm now I'm shaking. So I'm hurriedly writing everything down that you know, I'm trying to write, basically do. I, what I would have liked to have done would have been 10 of them. But I, I thought Dan would be better at it, so it was worth waiting 20 years. But um, <laughs> so I'm Kenny gives me this thing, and I said, um, right, that's brilliant, thanks very much. Do you want to do you want to see it before it's published? Yeah, no, 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 that's no, be fine. And that was it. It was lovely. The next yeah. time I saw him was at uh, his um, testimonial. Wow, wow. <laughs> Did Honestly, you... it was it was a <laughs> moment. Did you have any help from uh, Rovers or any of the other clubs Simon played for directly, Dan, or was it just all your own digging like you've just been through? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, but to be fair, so you, so when I, when I yeah. my version, I, I had loads of reference books. Uh, so I had a bunch of books that were by my side constantly as I was going through it. Uh, and you, you know, you, you did the same, didn't you, Dan? We, we, we've got we, we research things in the way, best ways we can. You know, I was I'm not sure how much the club would have offered really any of the clubs. They might have no, had some no, nice no. things to say, but um, yeah, it's, his, yeah. it's his story, isn't it? That's the, the main thing. It's yeah. his story, interspersed by uh, some memories 
several of which seems to involve stories about running at Pleasanton for strange reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's good for the lads who play Sunday League in Blackburn to say that they're playing on the same pitches as Sam Garner once trained well, on. Well, yeah. they, they play on the same pitches that Alan Shearer and Kenny Dalglish were on when they first. Yeah. That's when when uh, when Kenny Dalglish first came and they signed Alan Shearer. They were still training there, weren't they? It, it was a, a year oh. or two before they built Brockhall. I went down, I, I skived an hour off work one day and I went down to Pleasanton just to go and watch Kenny Dalglish play five-a-side. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to go on to like football now and uh, the material that we're currently releasing. Do you think demand for this has changed over the last 20 years from the first book to now because of how football is now? And that's a very open question. Probably not the best. Probably not worded the best. But I'm gonna put I'm push sure. an answer. Yeah, I'm not sure that. Uh, I think demand for something like this is more rooted in uh, football nostalgia, which possibly might be a, a bit down to football now. Possibly has lost its appeal a little bit. It's it's much more football now reminds me a bit like WWE it's, it's very much like a certainly at the top end it's like a franchise isn't it it's an entertainment business with millions and millions of pounds um, whereas people who um, were around at the time remember the football of the 80s and the 90s being I mean like you said Richard there were some horrible times for football in that, that era but also um, it was it was a proper level it wasn't it it, it, it it wasn't ruled by money the way it is now. Um, and then also I feel like, I mean, I'm, so I was, I'm a, I'm a Blackburn fan that, like I say, I was born in the late eighties um, and very privileged to grow up with a team that was, when I was four, Jack Walker bought the club. And so I never, I never experienced the club that Simon played in that could barely pay the wages, couldn't turn the lights on. But I have always, been very interested in the history of the club so I've read all the books and stuff and learned about you know the the three FA Cups in the 1890s whenever it was the um, you know Bob Crompton Fergus Suter all that sort of stuff but so I've read back and I think I'm, I like to think you've still got that so you've got younger people like myself who never saw Simon who are interested in reading about football in those days fingers crossed anyway that some people like that by the book and what about you, Richard? No, I think I think that's a good perspective. I hadn't really thought about it. It's a good question. So I suppose when we first time round, it was it was, it was more of a yeah a, a career just over, uh, a reflection on a career, and it was um, and it wasn't we weren't in the nostalgia period. We I suppose we were. We were ten, but we're only ten or fifteen years back on from that at that point. Uh, only ten. I said only. Yeah, it was ten years since Simon oh. played for Black and Rovers when the book came out. Um, demand for it? I, I don't know. It's, it's it's difficult to say that it, it, it's you know the, the online shop is very busy and uh, we're getting a lot of interesting requests for signings and for shops that want to stock that um, we're wasn't expecting. Um, but um, yeah, I think Dan's probably right. I think there is it, it is a story in the main of football in a different time, told from Simon Garner's eyes. But I think it is a story of an age of football as well. Mm -hmm. So I think anybody who's interested in 
you know, just a different different kind of football. I'd never even I hadn't thought that that WWE reference there, Dan. That's interesting. I find Premier League football a bit tiresome, but um, yeah. I find a lot of football a bit tiresome to be honest. So I'm I'm not the best person to ask. <laughs> I think the, the contrast in like how different football is today to how it used to be has created a demand for like stories from like the older players. Yeah. Just the the kind of antics that they used to get up to off the field. I, I, I feel like players today, because of how it has changed, you know, if they go in the pub with the fans or on social media, you know, they can't really like enjoy themselves away from the pitch. Um, so I feel like that's created a, a demand for things like, I mean, under the cosh is very popular. I don't know if, if, yeah, if you exactly, yeah. watch or listen to that. I feel like that's. Uh, I think it's the contrast in modern to, um, you know, to, to older football, football of yesteryear that's uh, created that demand. Yeah, it's reflected in a number of these things that are coming out, isn't it? Sort of, Mark Patterson did one recently, and um, yeah. Mick Rathbone's done a couple. Um, been great, and I think, yeah, and they're all really interesting reads yeah. for certainly for. I'd say, and I don't, I don't want to sound ageist, Richard, but people <laughs> like. Like us three, who, like I said, we've only known Rovers as a big, as a fancy club with big fancy stadium and you know, like, Premier League football and this and that. We, we didn't see those days of struggle. Um, yeah, so when you read about it, it's like, wow, it must have been. I mean, I, I really, I, I just, I wish I could go in a time machine and stand on the terraces at Ewood. I mean, I might, once I got there, I might think, God, I wish I was back <laughs> home. But, um, <laughs> Just, just, it just smelled like a bad pub by the gents' toilets, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> and that, um, it leads me on to my next question. So, obviously, you're fresh off writing uh, a book we all can't wait to read. Can you see this content dying out with current players that are playing at the minute? I mean, like the players that you've got in the book, like the people you've got in the book, they are massive, massive characters. Like, And, and you just mentioned about the handwritten notes by Martin O'Neill. If you could get hold of them, I'll make you a private offer. There's people on the Scottish side of our family that would pay a lot, a lot of money just to have handwritten notes by someone of that aura. And again, like people like Kenny Daglish. Can you can you see 30, 40 years from now people writing about the current generation and having anywhere sort the amount of personalities that you've got in this book? Well, I think aside from most of the people in the top, two divisions of English football now get into an age where uh, when they finish the career they probably think well it's not really worth writing a book because you know part of it is is about you know you do it as mate to make money don't you and and if you're if you're earning 130 grand a week and you finish your career you're not going to you're going to worry about writing a book unless you are you know that way inclined and it's not about the money um but also, I don't think the stories will be there. Like some of the stories that Simon tells about life in football in the eighties and nineties, I don't think it's like that now. I mean, unless you know, you get you'll still get the odd character, but it's all behind closed doors, isn't it? And I don't think they they get away with a quarter of what um, <laughs> Simon and the and the boys used to. <laughs> some of the, I mean, yeah, some of the stories are fantastic, aren't they? I, mean, I can't I can't imagine. Alfie Harland, not Alfie Harland, his son, um, 
being buried on the beach in Benidorm, having a lot of cigarettes shoved in his face, and <laughs> oh. and then and then being shouted by his manager to go and play a match against the team of Benidorm waiters. You know what I mean? That, that's a, that's just a little teaser for something that's coming up in the book. I, I suppose the most old-fashioned, if you will, uh, player we see today um, is probably like Jack Grealish in terms of like how he goes out and enjoys himself and how we publicly, all see that. publicly enjoys himself doesn't yeah, he I mean yeah, they're all, they all yeah so but, but apart I feel like he's definitely like a character like you can see like what he's about you know he comes across as a very down to earth normal lad that's just living Mossad's dream you know yeah. so well, probably, I, I feel they're like... boring, aren't they? They're, both, they're boring. They're boring. Very it's when they're interviewed, they're boring because they're media trained to within a millimetre of yeah. their life so for some very good reasons, legal reasons as well as media reasons, but they will not diverge from the topic of football. They're, 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 there's only one thing. Interviews need to be a little bit different. The personalities will come out. And, you, you, know, it's all on, you know, it's all on YouTube. It will be... Readily dig out what this kind of stuff I mean, but it's just it's just mostly quite dreary. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I've got one final question about the book. So, and this is to well, it'd be like a two-parter for both of you, really. So, Dan, I'm going to ask you first. So, what's the feeling like of that final yes release? Now, I know you probably had four or five final releases, and I'm guessing there wasn't just one. But as someone who like gets nervous or anxious when they finally press that submit button and it's out there for the world to see, do you how how like an opportunity like this, how big was that moment where you finally said yes, take it? It was. <laughs> it's funny because I don't think it's actually hit me at this point because I know we did because we did it, didn't we, Richard? And I, and I. I finished it, sent it to Richard, and we sort of, and he, and he sort of said, "Let it go now." And then he rang me, he rang me up, and he said, "He said, congratulations, you've written a book." And I think it still hasn't hit me until I get my hands on a copy. I think I'm still going to feel like I can add to it, like we, like we were bloody. I t- you said before, didn't you? Every time he opens his gob, he tells someone a new story. He went on. I'd finished the book, and then we put him on under the cosh, and he told three stories that weren't in the book. <laughs> So I was like, for God's sake. So I'm like, right, I need to add these stories in. And then the other week he spoke to Andy Bears on Radio Lancashire and he talked about how he went in goal against Ipswich. And I was like, I didn't know that. I knew that. I'm sorry. But Richard I, I was there and didn't tell us. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's missing from the book. But um, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying, Rob, but it's, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like it hasn't hit me until I see it. So, so was it just one push and then it wasn't like you uploaded or you sent it to Richard and Richard went, oh yeah, that's a good first draft. Oh, no, then you were like, first draft, been, Yeah, there's been a first draft. I think there was three or four drafts and then it went to the printers and then we got the sample copy and then there was a slight tweak from that and then it's that's gone. Mistake. Yeah. Found it. I, yeah, I can't spell Kevin Gallagher's name. That's why. <laughs> it was Garner. I was thinking of as well. Oh, that was earlier draft. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did. We did. Uh, we uh, on the very last minute picked up a nanny Grainer instead of nanny Garner. That's not Simon's nanny. <laughs> but uh, the, 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 yeah, you know, there was then there was the 
because right at the end, it became a rush. No rush. It became it deadlined. It, it was what I like, I like, and I, you know, Darren and I love working to tight deadlines. It's what we do. Um, and at the end, it was great because we were we were getting the design done, the cover design. That, that was quite complex. That was that was um, you know getting the image right. So certain things not easy to get photograph right. So Simon Garney, you know, bang, golly. We've got a couple of absolute bangers in there, don't we? That um, Clive Lawrence is one of the great photographers in this area. Um, took some shots of Simon when Simon when he, when Clive was a student, and he gave us a set of those. So there's a couple of those have made the book. But there's all that design process that was ongoing, and simultaneously with that, there was last minute revisions to the text, those like little tweaks, and we then then even when we did all that, Dan read the first half of the book, I read the second half of the book. And then I read the first half of the book, and there were again a bunch of tweaks. But every change that we made, um, apart from my obvious ones, I, I think we, we, we jointly approved almost all of them. Didn't we? So it was like a, yeah. it was a, it was a good, it was a good two-way edit process. But I, sorry, I did enjoy that process, but it was blooming quick at the end to, to meet the deadlines for, for the print. Yeah. And but anyway, you have written a book. <laughs> You know, I don't yeah. know, I keep telling you this, but you have written a book and it's, and it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, like, individuals like Simon, few and far between, he's up there with Rovers, greatest legends ever. He, you know, he's, he's the all-time leading goal scorer. Would either of you consider writing another book with another player in the future? I know David Dunn is probably like the the most recent kind of individual you can compare with Garner spent a lot of his career at Rovers um, big Rovers fan um, I remember him saying a few years ago it's something that he might look at doing at some point would you be up for doing it doing it again in the future with another player? Uh, 100% I'd love to uh, I'd want Richard to publish it but he might not <laughs> um, but um, I think the issue I, yeah, the issue you've got with High profile players like like Dunny or that he will know top national journalists that would probably pick something like that up. So I'm I'm probably looking at your more niche yeah. <laughs> people like, like Simon. I tell you which I tell you a story. I'd read Dan. I'd read Mark Atkins's story. Yeah, yeah. He's a really he's a really nice bloke, Mark Atkins, and he's so down to earth. He's he's done a chapter in the book. Mm. Yeah, I think I've seen some of the snippets on Twitter. And a, a really good player as well, a really underrated player for Rovers. You're not kidding. Like, Absolutely. Well, that's Shit it. The, the pe- people who pe- people who look back at Rovers winning the league in 95, who aren't Blackburn fans, they will tell you that that midfield was Tim Sherwood and David Batty, won't they? But David Batty was injured for yeah. three quarters of the season, wasn't he? It was Mark Atkins. Yeah. And look at the results after Batty came back and replaced Atkins. That's that's also quite interesting. I'm, I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm, I'm playing uh, football. Yeah, we did drop a few points, <laughs> didn't it, towards the end? Yeah. Yeah, so that's all my questions about the book. Lewis, have you got any more questions? No. So it is open floor, ready to push the book, the release, the... When can we expect yeah. it? I know Richard, you've got a copy there, so... I've, I've got a sample copy. So this is a, this was a entirely. This was our final proof, and there, there were some changes. We changed the pictures in the middle, actually, at the, at the last minute. Uh, I think we changed one one other little detail. Um, so I've got the, I've got that. It's at the printer now. 
and it's due they've got to go to Simon first to sign and then they come from Simon up north and then they get mailed out and I think the, the mailing's from the middle of next week possibly Wednesday, Thursday next week so hopefully so I'm hoping to get them into Simon's hands to sign on Tuesday yeah. and they're available from www.simongarnerbook.co.uk and are we hoping to have some other outlets available we are hoping to have some other outlets. We're just in final discussions with um, two fabulous establishments in uh, your locality. Stuff. And more, more coming. We're hoping to do. He's hoping to do some Q um, and A's signings uh, in the new year, not before the new year, not before Christmas, but in the new year. We'll be looking to get Simon up north. Uh, shake a few hands, sign a few mugs. Needs his break from uh, all the podcasting. First. Yeah, yeah, we're giving him a well-earned Christmas break. He's done it. He's done two two interviews a week in the evening for about the last three or four weeks, possibly five weeks, and he's doing and he's doing the same this week and next week, and uh, that takes away valuable pub time, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. For all the first thing you said when he joined us last week. You kept out the pub. <laughs> <laughs> you dragged me out of the pub tonight for this. And that is true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that, that was one other question I forgot to ask um, like you've just mentioned coming up north hopefully to do some Q&A book signings anything involved with a club are you going to be at matches like any events at Ewood where you potentially do book signings and stuff hopefully yeah hopefully yeah, yeah. so yeah there's a few there's, um, there's a, it's just a big admin job to get, just to do it and uh, we haven't started doing that admin job yet <laughs> but it is planned for the new year and there's, there's a lot of interest so uh, yeah. I'm imagining that that is a very much a likelihood. Yeah, good. It, it, good should, be, it should be in the Rovers store pretty soon, the book. Yeah. Okie dokie. So if that's all for the questions, then all I've got to say is thank you very much for joining us. Um, I hope the release goes well over the next month. Can't wait for our copy to come through. I don't know who controls the signings. If you, is it just a Simon Garner autograph? Is it potential for a message to the podcast? Well, we've, we've had an instruction on that, haven't we, Dan, from our marketing wizard who says what we, what our official answer at that point is to say, bring your signed copy to a signing and he will put the dedication in for you there. Perfect. That's perfect. Positive. Thank you very much. So, My absolute pleasure. Bye from me. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thank you very much. It's been fun, Lewis. Lovely to meet you. And also, Rob, it's been great fun. Dan, cheers as always. <laughs> See you, mate. Okay. See you Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.